0: Buying a freestanding house or even a house or a semi would be preferable, but not everyone has the budget for that. And so the way I look at this is a young person in particular paying rent for years and years and years, if they can manage to get over the hump of pulling together a deposit and actually buying a property, I definitely feel that it is a good move, particularly for a young person. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Good morning, renovators. So recently, I've been looking at a few apartments with some of our Wonder Women, with my daughter, And I noticed that, particularly in Melbourne, many apartments are selling for less than what they were bought. The owners paid for them like three to five years ago, which made me think about our niece, who has been renting an apartment in just north of the CBD of Melbourne for quite a few years. And I thought maybe she should be looking at buying something And so I suggested that to her and it had never dawned on her to even think that she might be able to own an apartment. So it's been a very exciting thing for her. So we were down there recently and we were looking at apartments together and I told her that I would send her a list of things to take into account when she's deciding which apartment to buy. And I just went to sit down and write an email. I decided, you know what? You may have someone in your life, or this may be useful information for you. And so I'm going to report it as a podcast. So I'll forward it to our niece, but also I'm hope, oh, well, I know that this will be useful for you. And so what I want to talk about is probably ten things that you should take into consideration when buying an apartment. Now, my niece is looking at buying a one-bedder. That's what she currently rents, so she's looking at replacing that. But most of the things that I'm going to talk about apply to whatever size apartment you're buying. Now, the first one is I want to address a point that comes up a lot and certainly came in, into our conversation about this particular purchase. And that said apartments aren't a good investment. Now, clearly for people who are struggling to recover their purchase price, they're definitely not a good investment. However, I think obviously, well, it may not be obvious, but buying a freestanding house or even a house or a semi would be preferable but not everyone has the budget for that and so the way i look at this is a young person in particular paying rent for years and years and years if they can manage to get over the hump of pulling together deposit and actually buying a property it means they've got so much more control over their life so while it would be in a perfect world it would be a house the fact that they own the property that they are living in just gives them a lot more autonomy. And I think particularly for young women, that's really important. And the other thing is, provided you don't pay too much, which is a problem that a lot of you know general investors who aren't very educated do, that it is, in a sense, of a means of forced saving and... Assuming that's the only thing you ever piece of real estate you ever buy, or that may not be true, you might actually get all excited about buying property and buy another one somewhere down the track. But if it's the only one you ever buy, it does mean you own your home and that nobody can put you out of it. Okay? So of course the banks can put interest rates up and so on, but you know, I guess it's choose your poison. Is it the bank or is it the landlord? So I definitely feel that it is a good move, particularly for a young person. Now, my first point is I would tend to go for older buildings rather than newer buildings or brand new buildings in particular, because there have been, as time has gone on, developers or some developers have got sloppier with their building practices. And we've seen instances where um, buildings have had major defects with catastrophic impacts on the owners of those properties. Older buildings, if they're 20 or 30 years old, or even 50 years old or hundred years old, they've stood the test of time. And certainly I find that quite comforting. The second thing is go for smaller buildings rather than multi-unit buildings, preferably under three storeys high, just because you're talking about a different beast. When you get into the multi-levels, the building is susceptible to, to construction defects more so than a smaller building and i think also there's some value in the community being a more intimate community so i would definitely look at going for the smallest building that you can possibly afford number four just because i think i should add this in wherever the opportunity arises is to never buy off the plan now You occasionally see in the paper people make windfalls because the prices go up after they've paid their deposit and they end up with thousands of equity, you know, in an instance. You also see cases in the paper where people win lotto. I think those two situations are on par. Most people who buy off the plan find it takes years and years for the value of the property to get back to what they paid for it. The reason for that is because there are big sales incentives for marketers to sell apartments. Not unusual for a small apartment to have a $50,000 commission, which basically means you're paying an extra $50,000 for a property that may only be worth, you know, $400,000. So it's quite a lot of money. And that's why often with new apartments, you can, well, I've seen instances where people have owned them for 10 years, and they're still not worth what they paid for them. So really avoid buying off the plan like the plague. Next one. So our niece was looking at a one-bedder because that's what she currently rents, and I've encouraged her to see if she can stretch to a two-bedder. So, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, in the suburb, she's looking, one-bedders are a dime a dozen, okay? So, there are hundreds of one-bedders, whereas there's not the same abundance of two-bedders. So, it's a more, uh, what's the word, a scarcer market. She will have to pay a little bit more for it. I think that will hold her in good stead in the long run. Two, if she has a two better, it gives her a lot more options. So, you know, if family come to visit, they can stay with you. I know that she likes to have her mum and dad come and stay. Also, if something happens and interest rates go sky high, you can rent a room out. And so it gives you a source of income. So consider, if you can, stretching to that two bed option. I know we looked at a few that were in your budget so I would seriously look at that if you can. Next point, while you may not own a car, if you can buy a property with a car park that would be preferable. The main reason being is particularly in inner suburbs, parking is going to become more and more scarce. And so having a car park adds additional value, but also makes the property more desirable if you ever do want to come to sell it. And plus you have the benefit of using it yourself. You may at some point buy a car or you may have family come to stay, have a car. It just makes sense if you can to have a car park as well. The next point is, It is almost mandatory in terms of maintaining value to have an apartment that has some outdoor area. The only exceptions would be if the property is a character building such as an art deco that has no outdoor area and no opportunity for creating that. But generally speaking, that is sort of, I guess, what's the word, a must have in the Australian lifestyle and it will impact the resale value of the property if you don't have it. So the next thing to consider is orientation. A property, obviously a property that's north facing is always the most desirable because you get that winter sun coming in If you can't manage a north-facing property, then probably east will be next and west and then last is south because it's cold and dark. You do want to make sure the property has lots of natural light, although, you know, we've renovated lots of apartments and we have a few tricks for making the space look much lighter and brighter if it comes to that. When you do actually find something that you're considering buying, you absolutely need a subscription to a data service. So we use RP Data because you need to have as much information as is available to inform your decisions about what to offer. So RP Data gives you lots of information. In particular, you can find out what the current owners bought the property for, You could do a search and find out all the recent sales in that building, which is very helpful for informing what you should offer for that property. And don't be afraid to make a cheeky offer. I like to have lots of rods in the fire. It doesn't happen very often because usually we're working in scarce markets. But if you can find two or three properties that you like and fit your criteria. If you can make a cheeky offer on every one of them and see who comes back, then you know who's the most negotiable amongst the vendors. In terms of position in the building, so the value of the properties or the apartments in a building, like buildings are their own little market. And so the values of the apartments go up as you go up the building. Now, unless I can be on the very top and have, you know, panoramic views of the district, my personal preference is ground floor. The reason for that is that often you have extra outdoor space. You know, you can incorporate some of the common area in your personal area. And if you need to do renovations that more often than not, it's much easier to move plumbing because you don't have an apartment below you. So just talking about, once again, you've found something and you're doing due diligence. Any exclusive use space, like the agent may tell you, oh, this large outdoor area, that's for the exclusive use of this unit. It may be common area, but you know, you've got exclusive use on it, you want to make sure that that is on title. So if you don't know how to do that, get your conveyancer to help you and make sure that it's on title because it's not, if it's not on title, then it's not what you think it is. So make sure you know what you're buying. I'll give you a little story about that. So a few years ago, we did a renovation for our charity and we bought a Studio apartment in Surrey Hills, just down from Central Station. And when we were looking at the minutes, the strata minutes, we noticed that there was something about people graffitiing car parks and just couldn't really figure out what it was. But it didn't really seem very serious, so didn't think any more of it. Turned out that the developer who had built the building had done something really shocky and sold off all the car parks that he was required to keep for visitor parking to meet the terms of the DA. And, like, 20 years later, council had come down and said, OK, so you're meant to have 16 car parks and you don't have them. We're going to fine you so many thousand dollars a week for every week that you don't have those 16 visitor car parks. And so then they negotiated with the owners' corporation, negotiated with those buyer, those owners, the ones that had been sold car parks and thought they owned one but didn't, and said, look, uh, we're going to call them visitor car parks. You still have exclusive use, but we'll just call them visitor car parks. And they objected to that, and so they got out spray cans and sprayed their names on the car parks or their unit number. And so that was what the graffiti was about. Now, fortunately, the unit we bought had a car park on title. We did our due diligence and made sure that that was all hunky-dory. And you could say we were probably safe, but I could see a massive uh, debacle brewing, and I could see that in that building the owners were going to have to make a contribution. Well, this was my view of it. It looked like that they were going to have to make a contribution to pay back the people, compensate the people who thought they had bought a car park and didn't have one and it was just going really nasty. So really, really important to, re, to get a strata report to make sure that there are no issues brewing in the building and to also make sure that what you think you're buying is actually what you are buying. Another thing to do with the strata report is to look at the levies. So you don't want them to be high but you also don't want them to be too low. You want to know that the building is going to have sufficient money in the kitty to deal with any maintenance issues and ongoing capital works. Buildings do require maintaining, and that's what the strata levies are for. And what constitutes a high levy depends on really where you are. For us, if we're looking at a like a studio or one bedder, we like it to be about $800 a quarter which is a significant amount to budget per year, but it means that there's sufficient money to do whatever, you know, if the hot water system breaks down or whatever. So you generally don't have a building report done on a unit, mainly because the structure of the building is the responsibility of the owners' corporation. However, I always like to look at a few things. One is the plumbing, if it's got old galvanised plumbing, Then it's likely that there will be issues coming along and that can be a big expense. What we're trying to avoid is a levy of 10, 20, 30, 40,000. The second thing is the lift, what sort of condition, if it has a lift and what sort of condition it is in, because if that needs replacing, that's also another big spend. The next one is the fire safety. So, one of the things I like to do is check that it has an annual fire safety certificate. Because if the building hasn't been upgraded to, I think this is becoming less common, but if it hasn't been upgraded to modern fire safety standards, that can trigger quite a large levy. I've known people to have to sell their apartments because they didn't have the money to pay a thirty dollars or $40,000 levy. So I would ask to see the fire safety certificate. Some smaller buildings are not required to have one. But if, there, if it is a bigger building, then you want to make sure that you have seen that. The other thing I would do, in addition to having a strata report done, is to read through about the last three years of minutes and just try and determine if there's any ongoing conflicts or issues in the building. Because, you know, like people doing strata reports, they really just look at Well, they're supposed to read the minutes, but I would question how thoroughly they do that. And it's your neck that's on the line, so I would make sure that you read at least the last two to three years of minutes because you will pick up anything that's going on in that community and you'll find out how harmonious it is because this is going to be your home. You want to make sure that it's going to be a nice place to live. The other thing to look at is the bylaws of the building. So this will also come through the strata report. Some of the things to look at is their attitude to pets and also Airbnb. If you, say, go overseas for a month and you want to Airbnb your apartment while you're away to fund your holiday, you want to know that you're able to do that. And the last thing that I would do, keeping in mind that often apartments are rented out, but I would knock on the doors of the neighbours and just have a chat to them about whether it's a nice place to live. Any issues in the buildings, even going up and down the lifts, you meet people and you can often get some insider information on you know what's going on in the building because it, it is its own little community. Now I hope that is helpful and what I have done is created a little download for you rather than having to make notes on this so that you have got all these points at hand ready to go okay thanks for that this is the she renovates podcast to discover how to harness the power of renovating check out the school of